0: Welcome to Therapists Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real life matters.
1: Welcome to Therapists Uncensored. I'm Sue Marriott. And I'm Patty Allwell.
2: And I'm Ann Kelly. This is episode 21, and today we're going to discuss how to disentangle ourselves from the most common knots we get ourselves into. We all have the capacity to take the position of the perpetrator, the victim, or the rescuer in any of our relationships. And so understanding this dynamic can really help to reduce drama and conflict in our lives. Have a listen.
0: So today we are going to talk about something that I find myself talking a lot about in session, which is this concept called Cartman's Triangle. Have you guys ever heard of it?
1: Um, I've heard of it. Don't know a lot about it.
2: Tell us more.
0: So the idea is, it's a super simple idea that I think will kind of turn on a light bulb. The notion is that each of us has inside of us a little triangle. And on each corner, there is a little letter. And so on one side of the triangle is victim. And and we all have it. I can outvict victim just about anybody. I have to tell uh, you, we can compete <laughs> in them. I don't know. I, no, I'm the bigger victim. Oh no! Uh, but it's far worse for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the idea, right? And then on the other one of the other points of the triangle is rescuer, and then on the another point of the triangle is people call it different things, but basically it's I, I think of it as a perpetrator. I want you to think about that. The further out. We're not making fun of this this is actual these are states and Cartman um, Stephen Cartman is the person who came up with this and this is way back in the 50s he based it on transactional analysis it's a family therapy systems concept So if you're in the extreme if you're way out on the point of the triangle that's where that you get run the problems so let's just take each point you know point by point so let's go with the victim so for way out on the extreme, that looks like, that the world is happening to me, I don't have power, I don't have agency, I'm just injured, I don't understand my part. Yeah, I think of
2: it as that when I have really deep feelings, I'm going to look outside of myself to say, what's causing me to have this feeling? Is something happening to me.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right, Anne. And I think there's a little note of paranoia in there, too. That's right. And what's missing in that?
2: Is our own culpability.
1: That's right. Aggression
0: is missing. You know, we, we basically project aggression out. Uh, that's one of the tricks of, you know, if we're, if we're a really good victim, um, the aggression is in the world out there. It's not in us and, and only things are happening to us and we are not culpable, right? So that's the unhealthy part of it or that's the more extreme version of it. Now if we want to move towards the middle of the triangle from that more extreme version, then what we do is we begin to own we, – we can claim that we have been injured, but then we begin to look for our part, right? We maybe have co-created this, or we can acknowledge an injury, but then we look at um, what we could do about it, or we begin to set boundaries, or we begin to – you can see where that we begin to – actually, what we're going to begin to do, as you'll see, is we begin to incorporate the other two points of the triangle. But that's how we're going to begin to move to the middle, so let's move to one of the other points. Which which ones do you all want to do next?
1: Perpetrator.
0: Per- oh, you like that one, huh? Sure. <laughs> we need some aggression, obviously. Exactly. You're getting it. Totally. So perpetrator. Let's talk about that. What What's the extreme version of that triangle? A bully. A bully, right? What's What are some of the characteristics
1: of a bully? Their needs are paramount.
0: Right. That... Um, unlike a victim, which everything's happening to me, they're very powerful. They're very much in control. They're not in touch with their own needs or their own feelings. Right? There's an intrusive quality. Mm-hmm. They're they're pushing out. Uh, there's a demand. But the truth is, is it true that they don't have needs? No. No, they're just not a, in touch with their needs. Right?
2: Well, or they're in touch with their needs in a very demanding way. Like, right. Like in an entitled, my needs need to be managed and handled.
0: Right. But that's it's, it's tricky, though, because their needs are being demanded, but not, they're not necessarily being felt. So they're being grabbed, but they're not necessarily in touch with the feeling of having a need, um, one might say. Is right. That, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes a simple. lot of sense. But there's some health. There's some health in this, too. So if we were to move somebody from the point of that triangle more towards the middle, what might that look like? They feel they have agency. Yes. Agency is good. Uh, The capacity to set boundaries. Yeah. Um, Now, here's another little trick about this. So if you're really in touch with your victimhood and um, you're in a mode of collapse and everything mm-hmm. happening to you. What's going to happen to my triangles?
1: I'm going to pull for your perpetrator. Right, or my rescuer. One so or the one other. of the
0: really tricky things about this I and mean, I think the interesting things about this uh, concept in family systems is that when especially if it's an extreme, so if one person is in an extreme part of the triangle, the more extreme they're in that triangle, and again, listeners, I want y'all to think about family members and yourself we, we're gonna tend to gravitate towards one of these corners of the triangle. We we kind of if we're a snow globe, we're gonna <laughs> our snow globe is gonna, you know, wanna gravitate towards one of these triangles. But as we do, or if you think of a partner or a family member that lives in one of these triangles, then it, we're probably pulled towards the opposite one of the two opposite sides of the triangle. So Patty if you are in victim mode, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be pulled towards, invited into either rescue mode. Here, let me take care of that. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Here, let me do this for you. You know, and I might be there for a while, but then guess what might happen? You might move to perpetrator. Exactly. You get it's tired like, look of at this. all I've done for you. Boom. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a lot of flipping back and forth.
2: And I think, Sue, what I love about what you're saying is that there's a lot of flipping back and forth, and we talk a lot about biology, and that's also unconscious. I like to talk about the fact that sometimes what gets pulled out of us isn't even the part that we like, and that when we have somebody being a victim in our lives and giving us too much power, we start actually experiencing that part of our aggression that we're not even that familiar with, because if somebody is, is taking on a victim role and we feel too powerful... Uh, unconsciously or sometimes consciously, we take on this role of aggressor. And even when we're not actually favorable for it, and I think of it as dogs. We see two dogs and one takes a more submissive role. If they are two looking eye to eye and growling, that's one thing. But if you have one that looks down over, yeah. and flips over the other one, then uh, oftentimes you think about it, they assert, they aggress. Right. Actually, that makes me think of another example is like, you know, when you're getting on a
0: freeway, And um, like if there's a car that's going too slow... You know, all of a sudden, like, you're. let's say you're a pretty calm person, you know, but all of a sudden you're, like, laying on your horn or you're, like, what the heck is going Oh, come on. Oh, let's go. You know, idiot. You're an idiot. Why don't you go? You know? <laughs> and Where is that rescuer? Can I help you? <laughs> yeah, onto no, the no, no, Right, right. All this, you know, any car that's going slower than you, you, it, like, evokes this what the heck is going on. Or if everybody's flying by you, Right? What happens? You're just like covering your head like, oh my gosh,
2: these maniacs. Right. (laughs) So it's a really benign example, but... But we all, what you're saying is we all seem we, we can compensate for each other even exactly. unconsciously because exactly. there there needs to be a certain amount of responsibility, a certain amount of aggression, a certain amount of caretaking in all of us. And when we get too extreme in one, it really can throw the whole system off. Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, right that there's this complementary system that happens and and what we're trying to do is help the more that we're conscious of this, that we can be less um, responding automatically. And so I think that, so we haven't hit the third triangle yet. Um, the third triangle, which I think is really interesting, particularly for women, is this rescuer triangle. So the extreme of the rescuer, I, I think we, we talked a little bit about the uh, perpetrator and the health of the perpetrator has to do with healthy boundaries, being able to be assertive, um, being able to ask for what we need, like that moves us more towards the middle.
2: And the health of the victim being able to identify their vulnerability what, exactly. and that they're in a desperate place.
0: That's Right. And, and that something's wrong and that, there's, and that there's a need. And that
1: they have a part in whatever's happening to them.
0: Right. Well, that's that's the help. When, right. That's moving towards more of the middle. Right. Now, um, the rescuer, let's say somebody's in victim mode or in perpetrator mode. It's like, I like to think of rescuers as eggshells. Like, if I'm on eggshells, I'm in total rescue mode. And it means I'm not um, – and, you know, what I like to tell people is, like, step on the damn eggshell. <laughs> if you're on eggshells, crack those suckers because that is not a good place to be. And, you know, meaning that you really want to just get back in your body. And Because one of the funky things about rescue mode is that it's a great defense. Therapists are huge
2: I was just about to say that we huge. could probably all three relate to and what we're saying is is that sometimes we anchor in one extreme more than the other and that's often related to our own histories and so I think as therapists we tend to know that we anchor kind of in the the rescue mode. And one of the important thing about that is that we don't have to identify any of our own aggression. Yeah,
1: or our or needs. Our needs. Yes, or our needs exactly. Because everybody else's needs are far more important, mm-hmm. far more pressing. That's right. And as
0: long as I can do even what you might could do for yourself, but I'm going to do it for you anyway, it will keep you disabled and therefore you will need me and I will feel great. Right? <laughs>
1: um, Until you don't.
0: Right. Well, right. And and so notice victim and rescuer both are not in touch with our needs, actually, or, or our aggression, actually. We're not in touch with our aggression. And we push it all into a perpetrator. So if we think of it from a physics standpoint, you know, we can create, we can make somebody look like a monster when actually they're not. So... Rescue mode is, that's one of the ones that I think is actually really, really interesting because, so the movement from rescue mode to, you know, more the middle of the triangle would look like, how is that for me? I might could do that for you, but do I have it to give? Yes, I care about you, but I care about you so much that I'm going to tell you no i 'm going Can I disappoint you and bear disappointing you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, could I delay giving you
1: something while I take care of myself over here? let 's pause to thank our sponsor, Leslie University Mental Health Counseling Programs, where you can help others transform their lives with creativity and compassion. You can apply a social justice lens to mental health care and achieve your own goals through their master's and PhD programs. Online at leslie.edu slash mental health. Now let's return to our podcast. So Sue, it may be a little off topic, but what keeps coming up for me is the codependent model that uh, a lot of the 12-step programs talk about. Do you see any connection in that? Well, it's interesting. You
0: know, sometimes I think about that saying, you know, 96% of people are codependent and the other 4% are in denial. (laughs) And so then I think, well, how helpful is that concept, right? But so I have a funny relationship with that term. Okay.
2: But that's not to throw it out. Yeah. I think when I think of that term, I think it it has a lot of help identifying something because I think... There's a lot about our society, and I don't know if you two would agree with me, but I think there's a lot about our society who idolize the rescuer, who idolizes those that are considered selfless, and puts down those that are selfish. And I like to relate to the fact that both parts of selfish and selfless kind of misses a very important dynamic in the relationship. Because if you're being selfless and you're the rescuer, you think you're being selfless, oftentimes that has to do with the fact that you are having a hard time tolerating seeing someone else suffer. And so you jump in to rescue them, oftentimes not at their benefit, right? because of your own difficulty holding your own feelings. So instead of thinking about yourself, you're thinking about them, but it is really so that you don't recognize that your own feelings are getting stirred up. So when I think about codependency, I think it brings to light a little bit of that Always being there for somebody is not necessarily a great thing. And it kind of pops the bubble of, I am so selfless and I do everything for everybody and I help you. And when people get introduced to codependency, they go, oh, wait, my helping you actually could be hurtful. My helping you could actually be more about me than about you. I think that concept in and of itself is enlightening to a lot of people. I
0: do too. And that's so, you know, back to this notion of codependency, and I really love what you just said, Anne, because I think of it as... Selflessness is selfish. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is really selfish because if I'm not taking up my fair share of the space, I'm not communicating what I need. And it's physics again. Like, it, there's somebody's going to pay for that somewhere. And, you know, it, it's not going to work out. There's going to be, like, I'm erasing myself, and that's not a sustainable system.
2: And it puts pressure on the other person, which I think can go back to what we were talking about earlier promotes aggression. That's a right. Silly, silly example. Have you ever gone out to eat with a group of people? And you say, "What do you want to eat?" And everybody goes, "I don't know. I don't care. What do you want? What do you want? Oh, what do you want?" That's and awful. nobody will name. <laughs> Shoot me now. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody will name. I want Mexican, right? And Chinese. And it that would be Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> I guacamole. want Mexican guacamole. <laughs> You're back to your guacamole and chips, <laughs> but. In that, if you, it ends up being a little bit more frustrating because at least as somebody names what they want, at least we have something to contrast against. We go, well, God, I had Mexican last night, but what about? And now we have something to anchor in. But it's, so it's kind of a silly example of having a sense of self, even if it's a starting point, is such a gift for those people around you. And to forget that is not only not a gift to you. But it's not a gift to those people in your life. I love that. So kind of what we're talking about is that there's
0: a self and then another self and another self. And now we can negotiate and that there's a space between these different selves. And now we have uh, mutual
2: egalitarian
0: relationships that we can work it out.
2: Competing needs. Competing needs. And that You feel worthy enough to have your own competing need in there. Perfect. Love it.
1: So what what I don't think that you chimed in there. Uh, Patty, what what was your vote? My vote on on guacamole or, yeah. or Chinese <laughs> exactly. or Mexican. I think she oh, said Oh, sorry, Mexican. Mex- well, you said Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a vote, you know. Oh, whatever you guys want is fine with me.
2: <laughs> I have a personal story about a great uh, one of my best friends who was actually also a psychologist and I'll never forget the time where um I tended to back when before I got enlightened about these concepts, and I was the true true helper to be the rescuer to be. Um, I I rarely would bring what was going on with me into the relationship when we went out. I was always, oh, what's going on?" And I was like the good listener and the perfect helper, and and felt really good about myself in the relationship. And um, and I'll never forget. She turned and said, "Do you realize that when you do that?" that I don't get a chance to sort of exist that's actually kind of selfish. And I looked at her like she had three heads because it was the very first time that I had really remembered that I'd really recognized that that quality, which I'd admired in myself, being the great listener in there, was actually a selfish quality and something that I had revered in a way or had revered by others around me kind of got put into question. And it was really quite vulnerable. And I went, it was like the, one of those times where the light goes on.
0: Or that you began to... Somebody finally was able to turn a mirror on that it was your need. It was my need. It right? was your need to sort of hide or to not be visible. Right.
2: Um, Where she didn't feel like she would feel like the perfect mess bringing me what was going on with her. And I could be this all-knowing Obi- Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> who doesn't want to be Obi-Wan, right? Like I was Obi-Wan, Give me all your problems, and I'll be carrying and giving. And I actually hadn't crossed my mind in doing that. She felt like the perfect mess, and I was Obi-Wan, and who wants to go to Happy Hour with Obi-Wan?:
1: Well, the other side of that is you weren't connecting with her. Yes. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a real lack of connection in either of these roles.: Definitely. So as you think of
0: this, you might consider, you know, uh, which part of the triangle, the perpetrator, rescuer, or victim that you tend to gravitate towards. And again, all three of these are in all of us.
2: And we act in all three of them, but we tend to anchor more in one. Is that what you're saying?
0: That's what I'm saying. And that we uh, the goal of this and why we're talking about it is that we want to begin to move, take the healthy parts of wherever that you might gravitate towards and move towards the middle so that no matter no matter what's going on around you, even if somebody is strongly in victim mode and the world is happening to them and they think you've done something terrible to them, that you, were, you will be able to stay right in the middle and not get on eggshells or not punch them <laughs> psychologically <laughs> or otherwise. And you'll be able to say, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way. That's not what I meant. Like stay right in the middle or you know, that again, that we want to integrate the healthy parts of all three. That you can have boundaries, that you can know your needs, and that you can like. What are some of the other qualities you
1: can have? Uh, you can have agency to go for what have you agency. want. Agency. That's right.
2: That's right. Well, and if somebody is being, let's say, anchoring in the victim. That if you were going to be more integrated and come to the middle, you wouldn't give up your own victim and only become the, I'm so sorry, Right. but your own feelings about where that person sits comes into the room to say, I hear you. I can see I've upset you. I'm so sorry. I'm having a little feelings about this interaction myself. And so that you, and and what you're doing is you're giving them a benefit to come in and an equal role.
0: That's right. We're both in some pain here. Right. And I can see that I just stepped on your toes And my toes are stepped on, too. And, oh, I can totally see how you feel that way. I really did just smash your toe. (laughs) Um, But I think I did that because my feelings were hurt right before then and let's do this together. Something where that we both exist and we both coexist and let's figure this out together. So that's that's the gist of the idea. We hope that you can find it useful and uh, we really hope that you can uh, share. The, one of the thing, ways to learn this material best is to go and tell someone else about it. So that's one of these active learning ideas. So we really encourage you to see if you can bend this around, and besides, we'd love for you to share the episode with someone else. But even more importantly, would be to turn around and see if you can tell a friend or someone that you care about uh, the the content, the gist of these ideas, and that'll help you really integrate
2: it and learn it, and see if it works. And think about where you sit more often. And it might be even interesting to ask your good friends, where do you think, where in this triangle th- do you think? That we each sit more. It'd be kind of an interesting While you're having your guacamole. That's right. (laughs) There's happy hour with a psychologist. Fun, huh? (laughs) Right.
0: Also, if you haven't yet taken our survey... There is a survey that we really want to hear from you. We've already gotten great feedback. It is so fun. And we want to thank everybody who's already taken it. It's on the Facebook page. Also, if you are on our email list, it should be in your email box. There's just, it's really short, a couple of questions, but we really want to understand who's listening so that we can connect with you better. So please take a moment. Uh, It's really super short. It's about two minutes so that we can hear from you and really understand who you are and what you're interested in. So. Thanks for
1: listening. Come back again.
0: Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly, Tati Alwell, and Sue Marriott. Cameron Lindsay edits the show.